This is Healthy Rounds with Dr. Anthony Alessi, sponsored by St. Francis Hospital, Ratchford Eye Center, Hartford Healthcare, MD Advantage, and UConn Health Orthopedic and Sports Medicine. Healthy Rounds provides general information regarding medical conditions and diseases. The information is not intended to create a doctor-patient relationship. You are encouraged to consult your own medical provider for advice that applies to your own medical care. And now, Dr. Anthony Alessi on WTIC News Talk 1080 and WTIC.com. Welcome to Healthy Rounds, a show that provides you with up-to-date medical information and answers all of your health questions. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi, and... This is a live program. Um, as many of you know, as per my usual habit, at this time of the year, I would be in spring training in Florida. And in fact, we taped several shows to share with you in my absence. Uh, but that has changed. Uh, changed for several reasons. Actually, last week we were packed. The car was packed, ready to go. And my wife and I sat there and said, we need to make some decisions. Or, because it could have easily affected us. If someone became ill in the hotel where we were staying, could we be quarantined? And could I be in a situation where I'm quarantined at a hotel and not able to do my work with the New York Yankees? Fortunately, the New York Yankees were very understanding of that, uh, even last week. And in fact, I had to give a presentation to 200 athletic trainers. It was the Professional Baseball Athletic Trainer Society meeting on Tuesday. So fortunately, the meeting was being held in a technologically advanced center. By that, I mean, I was able to give my entire lecture through Zoom. Uh, And Zoom is uh, one of these carriers like Skype that lets you do telemedicine and telebroadcasting. So I was able to sit in my home office, change my slides from my computer, the Uh, Everybody could see those slides, they could see me, and I could see them, and I was able to deliver the talk. So technology certainly jumped in there. Life is going to be different for a while here. Uh, In particular, here on the Healthy Rounds program, we have a new policy. Uh, The board of Healthy Rounds met this morning, that would be me, and decided that there will no longer be in-studio guests until Everything is deemed safe. So we, all our guests will be calling in. And today I'm hoping, and and I say hoping because this is such a fluid situation that uh, I'm hoping to have uh, Jeff Flax on. Uh, Mr. Flax is the CEO of the Hartford Healthcare System. And I'm also hoping to have Dr. Ajay Kumar. Dr. Kumar is the Vice President of Medical Affairs uh, for Hartford Healthcare. So they may be calling in. They may not. And if they cannot, I certainly understand. But we're hoping to hear from them to really give you information. So today's show is really about the coronavirus, COVID-19. You know, something else... I, I never thought my work in Haiti would prepare me for this day. Um, I've spent so much time in Haiti dealing with problems, specifically when we had an outbreak of cholera. Now, this is a very different type of problem. Cholera is a bacteria. Cholera affects the GI tract and causes dramatic dehydration, and your water becomes tainted. That's how you get it. So very different. What is the same are, from an epidemiologic standpoint, the precautions you need to take in terms of hand-washing, sanitizing, isolating 
the illness as best you can. So it's just ironic that my work with Father Rick Frechette in Haiti really has helped me. And and one of the other things is cholera is still there. Coronavirus is not going to go away. Uh, a lot of the things we're going to have to start doing here, uh, not congregating in large groups. At Hartford Hospital, the policy has been no groups of more than 10 people. So most meetings have become virtual, much like my lecture um, the other day. Our grand rounds is now virtual. You log in from your computer or your phone and you could attend grand rounds. Checking temperatures. This week at our laboratory at UConn, we began to actively screen our patients. So as patients came to the neuromuscular lab, we had a station set up where a nurse checked the temperature. If a temp was over 100.4, a physician would come out and speak to them and suggest that they not have that procedure that was planned today. Ironically, their families also were given the option of having their temp checked, and no one said no. Also, there were some workers there laying down carpet and painting a new area of our lab, and we offered it to them. And they all said, sure. They were just happy somebody cared about them. We're also finding out how few people own a thermometer. And, and Lord knows you're not going to be able to buy one these days. But in terms of just checking temps and doing something, it provided a sign of caring for somebody else. Let me do something for you. So uh, I think you're going to be seeing more of that as you come to physicians' offices. Also, you need to stay out of physicians' offices. If you're healthy, if you have a routine follow-up with a physician, just don't worry about it, okay? The docs are going to understand that and certainly want to, we want to ration our supplies as much as we can to those who need it most. Uh, if you have a friend in the hospital, they'll understand. I don't think you need to go visit, especially if in nursing homes. So many hospitals have restricted to no visitors or one visitor. Please understand, it's not to be punitive, but this is the new way it's going to be for a while. I also have new found respect for healthcare workers. And, just, and I'm not saying doctors. I mean, gosh, you know, we take an oath to go in there every day and see patients. But when I look around, there are medical assistants, um, patient care technicians. Uh, there are people who didn't necessarily take an oath to do this, but still go in every day and for sure that they're going to be around this virus because we don't know who has it, right? Our government wasn't ready. We weren't ready to develop a test quickly to start finding that out. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. This is not a time to point fingers. Um, but we have to deal in reality. So we don't know who has it and who doesn't have it, and we need to be careful. Things like going to gyms, stay home and exercise. There's plenty of exercise you can do in your house. Get outside. No one says you can't go outside. Um, there's plenty of ways to get out and walk uh, and, and really enjoy the outdoors to try and get exercise. Also, telemedicine is going to play a huge role going forward from the standpoint of primary care. Um, all our hospitals are instituting a formal telemedicine policy, 
and telemedicine group. It's it's important to know. The the statistics are somewhat staggering right now. And and I was asked a question of that just before coming on the air. So worldwide confirmed we have 148,619 cases. That's as of today. We have 55 we have 5,548 deaths. That's a rate of 3.7% and we have a 49%, 72,000 people have recovered after having COVID-19. In the United States, we have 1,629 uh, deaths as of last evening, uh, 1,629 cases and 41 deaths. So when we look at this, we know that these this initial wave is going to be staggering, and we could see that it's going to be problematic for us for a long time coming. So with that, we're going to take a short break. Then we're going to be back on, let me give you the phone numbers here, 860-522-9842, 1-800-966-9842. You can also email me at info at alessimd.com, and we're open to answer any questions you have that we might be able to answer or find an answer for you regarding the coronavirus or COVID-19. You're listening to Healthy Rounds on WTIC News Talk 1080. We're back on Healthy Rounds. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi, and we're chatting today about the coronavirus or COVID-19. And we have Anthony on the line from Middletown. Anthony, you're on. Hi, doctor. Um, I was wondering, my, my, health, my health insurance does not allow me to get my meds early for high blood pressure. I was wondering, are they going to waive that because of this so you could go to stores earlier and not later? Yeah, you know, that that's a great question, Anthony. And, you know, a lot of things have changed in the last 24 hours. Uh, now that a national emergency has been declared, a lot of people haven't figured out what that means. Um, it, it means a lot, and it may mean that you can get an extra month. Uh, so I would check with your pharmacy and have them check with your insurance company. What insurance do you have? I have Anthem. Okay. Is it a, a Medicare Advantage plan? No, I'm still 53, and it's, it's, I'm on a PLS. Okay. Plan yeah. Okay. For my uh, for my blood pressure. Medicine. So, so I would find that out because all the rules are changing. For example, previously Medicare and Medicaid did not pay for telemedicine, and now they are paying fully those codes. Okay. The other thing is, in the face of a national emergency, we're finding out that physicians can go from state to state to practice in need, meaning as long as you have a license in a state, you could now also practice in another state. So again, with telemedicine, if there's a need and a specialist is in another state, they could dial in and remotely treat that person. So Anthony, you had, that is a great question. And you know what? If you get an answer to that, please email me back at info at alessimd.com. Okay. Okay. Yeah, the reason why I ask is because I was like three days early to get my prescription refilled. Yeah. And they were going to charge me the full rate because I still had three pills left. Yeah, Anthony, all bets are off today. Okay. Okay. And, and you may want to bring that up, and they need to check with that. Okay. okay. All right. Hey, thank you, though. Appreciate thank that. Thank you very much. All right. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, great. 
great question um, about refilling prescriptions early and, and getting medication. And uh, I think getting an extra 30-day supply in the house is a good thing, um, and insurers need to get on that. Um, I think a lot of people haven't thought of that. Uh, I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about a little bit of the history of COVID-19, or uh, also called a novel coronavirus. Um, it's really the latest member of a family of human coronaviruses that we've known about since the 1960s. So this brand of virus is not something new to us. And it's interesting because these viruses come from animals. Um, seven of the types infect humans, uh, and four of the types really don't give you anything more than a common cold. So uh, typically, uh, these are seen in animals, but the virus has now evolved to the point where there can be transmission from animal to human. So somewhere along the way, that's where the transmission occurred. What makes it novel is the fact that is not enough, it hasn't been around long enough for us to build an immunity to the virus itself. And that's why they call it novel. After a while, we do build up an immunity to viruses. So, you know, when we look back over history, a lot of people are referring to the SARS virus. And that was in 2002. It stands for Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome. And again, that was transmitted from animals to humans. It was in China again, and it was localized similar to this to the Chinese live animal markets. And that's where the initial transmission occurred. It became more deadly when we found now that it can go from human to human. In the SARS uh, influenza virus, and that that virus uh, was 8,000 people were infected and 800 died in China. Now, in the U.S. in 2002, there were only eight positive cases for that virus, and no one died from it. So what was the reason? And the reason people gave back then was because we had much more effective health policies in terms of screening people, isolating the virus as best we can. In 2012, we had a similar situation in Saudi Arabia with the coronavirus. And this was interesting because it was transmitted from camels to humans. So they called it the Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, or MERS. There were 860 deaths uh, in in the Middle East. So you have to understand there was a 30% kill rate from that virus. Uh, Only two cases were reported in the United States. So you can see why we are very concerned about COVID-19 because, again, it is what we call a novel virus that has not been around long enough to build an immunity, and it has also affected so many more people. As I mentioned earlier in the show, in the U.S. um, to date, we have 1,629 cases with 41 deaths. Our problem from a public health standpoint is we don't know where it is and we don't know who has it. So there are only two ways of affecting this. The first thing is if you can test for it, you then isolate it. You isolate those communities, you isolate those people and in a formal quarantine. If you don't know who has it, which is the case now, despite 
promises of many tests, and I'm sure they're going to come out. But at this moment in time, the only thing you can do is to some degree self-quarantine. So, again, the idea of not having any guest on this program uh, to be here live. Also, things like not congregating in groups of more than 10. That's the number we were given at Hartford Hospital. So no conferences have more than 10 people. Trying to use telemedicine and other ways of seeing patients. So you really have to isolate and self-quarantine to some degree. One of the things that has kept coming up is this idea of hoarding, okay? And there's no other word for it. So people are out there buying toilet paper. I don't know why. This virus does not affect the GI tract. You will not have severe diarrhea where you need to have all this toilet paper. Again, it also does not affect the water supply. There's no reason to buy gallons and gallons of water. And worse come to worse, if it did, you would boil the water much like we did with cholera in Haiti. So I don't understand people running and buying as much as they can. I heard of one situation where somebody bought so much toilet paper, they couldn't fit it all in their house, so now they were putting it in their car, okay? And that hoarding is actually unkind. Um, we, We have to realize that we live as a community here. So someone may actually need toilet paper, okay? But... And and now they're not going to find it because someone else had to buy 50 rolls of it, okay? So this is a situation where we need to start thinking outside of ourselves because what I do, if I wash my hands or don't wash my hands, it's not just going to affect me. It's also going to affect everyone around me. It's also going to affect not only the people around me, but their parents, their grandchildren, and anyone else they come in contact with. So we need to change the paradigm here when it comes to health and epidemiology. We have to understand that each one of us as an individual has a responsibility. That's a tough word these days, responsibility. But we each have a responsibility, not only to the people living within our four walls, but to everyone living in our community. And with that, I'll leave you with that. We're going to take a short break, and uh, hopefully we're going to have a call from Dr. A.J. Kumar, who's the VPMA of the Hartford region for Hartford Health Care. Phone number's here, 860-522-9842 and 1-800-966-9842. You can each also reach me at info at alessimd.com. And I'm happy to take any suggestions you have or questions you have regarding coronavirus. You're listening to Healthy Rounds on WTIC, back on Healthy Rounds. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi, and uh, we were hoping to have several guests call in today uh, from Hartford Hospital, but uh, unfortunately, they may be tied up with more important things, and and I would certainly uh, understand that. But, you know, we're getting a lot of questions from um, our listeners, so I'm going to take this one from uh, Dave from Cromwell. Dave, welcome to the show. Hey, good, uh, good morning. Thank you very much for your, your uh, show, Dr. Alessi. It's uh, really, really good. We appreciate it out here. Thank you. Uh, so I have a question in regards to, I've, I've done some reading and some, some of the information, of course, is probably the worst thing to do, but some of the information uh, that is saying 
try to isolate, you know, older folks, the elderly from this due to their lower ability to fight off the virus. Yes. Um, and then to that point, uh, children, you know, are probably the, if I can use the worst carriers, because they're not really self-aware uh, of themselves when they sneeze or, you know, every sure. other thing with bodily fluids. So is it is it really a, a decent recommendation or something that is a decent thought process to not have children visit or be around uh, elderly family members at this time? Yeah, so absolutely, David. And you've hit on a, a sensitive personal spot um, because um, my wife and I truly enjoy our grandchildren and, and look for every opportunity to have them in our house um, to the point where after school they're at our house, um, the two are with us every Monday. And my children, actually, out of concern for us, I'm 65 years old, and they have stopped that uh, and are managing things. And so it's been heartbreaking for me to not be able to see my grandchildren, but I understand. Um, And I think that that recommendation is a good one. Uh, It is exactly what you said, Dave. Um, They're not as mindful and they are around a lot of other children who could be carriers. In particular, uh, the uh, daycare where uh, two of my grandchildren attend, many of the parents there work at my hospital, and we are around this. And that's why when I'm not working, I'm essentially quarantining myself so that I don't spread it to the community if I have it. I've had the good fortune of being healthy, but I don't know that. And I have an obligation to get to work. Right. I'm in a similar boat as you. And uh, my other question then is in regards to other adults being around the elderly due to the fact that other adults have a little better self-awareness than children. uh, Do you see that as much of a threat or would you still suggest somewhat of a quarantining of the elderly as a blanket rule, so to speak? I I generally believe we should all be quarantining ourselves around any other adults and If we need to be around adults, keep that safe distance. Understand that even though it is not aerosolized, and I'll explain that, it doesn't attach to dust, the germ can be transmitted when we're not within a safe distance of others. So the numbers of three feet and six feet have been thrown out there because when we cough or sneeze, although we try to sneeze into the anticubital fossa, Um, or as some people call it, the crux of the elbow, um, you can still spread germ. Now, fortunately, it doesn't hang around for hours after you leave, like measles did. So if I were to sneeze here, right, measles would be sitting here, and somebody came in an hour later, they could still get measles from it. This virus doesn't last that long. So if if you have to meet with other adults, um, three to six feet of distance would be best. Great. Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate no. your insight. Th- thank uh, you. Thanks for the great question. Um, we have Linda from Enfield on the line. Linda, welcome to the show. Hi. You you almost answered my question. We were due to have a family party from anywhere from 1 to we're 70, um, and there's 20 people involved, none of which are sick. When is um, the party? It's this weekend. Half of them are scared and don't want to come over. Yeah. And the other half say, well, if we're healthy, then maybe we should. 
So we're in a quandary. Not really. Cancel. Cancel. Not even a question. Okay. We're, we're actually, as a family, and I, I hate to make this so personal, but you might as well know what we're doing, okay? Yeah. And that is uh, we're contemplating canceling a christening on April 19th. Okay, okay, so my my youngest grandchild is being christened, and there's a party planned, and we don't know that we're going to be over this by then. Yeah, or we have be, a baby shower in end of March. That would occur too. I didn't even think of that. So we don't know. Even so, uh, there's ten people who are nervous about it. You don't want nervous people coming to your party. No, okay? definitely not. And the other ten people, even though they're healthy, we don't know who has it. Right. I mean, I honestly, that's why I'm treating myself this way, because. I don't know if I have it. I mean, I'm not sick from it, but could I be carrying it? Could I have picked it up from a patient this week who was healthy? I don't know. And that's the scary part of this, Linda, is we really don't. So my advice would be to cancel the party for tonight and really put that christening on hold. Now, don't put the actual christening on hold, okay? Just the party, okay? <laughs> Get that baby baptized, all right? And okay. then and then we'll worry about the party later, okay? Okay, thank you, Doctor. All right, you're very welcome, Linda. All right, bye. You know, we have such great listeners on this program. Uh, I'm always gratified uh, by that. Uh, and, and, and great questions that have come up. And so many questions have come up. The biggest one uh, that I've been asked is about using a mask. And probably, you know, some people feel better wearing a mask. I don't know that it does very much good. I think a lot of people have developed it into an accessory. I saw somebody wearing it around their neck. Uh, For the mask to be effective, it has to be a very tight seal around the mouth and nose. The thing we use in healthcare is something called the N95 mask. And that's what you use, and that's what we will be using around people who are infected. Or if you're swabbing someone for a virus, you're going to wear that mask. You have to be fitted for that mask. Um, when I was at Bacchus Hospital, I had the, the pleasure of working with people who had tremendous foresight into this field. And I'll name them. Tom Pipicelli was the CEO. Mark Santa Maria was the chief operating officer. Every year, every provider, not just doctors, everybody who had contact with a patient had to be fitted and refitted for those masks. So what they do is you try on the mask and then they spray something that's scented. If you could smell that scent, it was a bad fit. It wasn't until you couldn't smell it that they knew you had a good fit, and that was your fit. And it went into your employee record so that in the evidence of a disaster, okay, okay, you would have the mask, and they would know exactly what size you needed, and here's what you need, Dr. Alessi, if you're going to get into this containment area. So a, a bit of information regarding masks. With that, we're going to take a short break. Then we're going to get on to more questions. You're listening to Healthy Rounds on WTIC News Talk 1080. We're back on Healthy Rounds. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi. We're entering the last segment of our program today, and we're answering all your questions about the coronavirus and things that are going on in the news. We have Heather from Windsor Locks. Heather, you had a question for us. Well, actually, I just wanted to give a comment that there's a lot of discussion about the use of you know, the hoarding of toilet paper and, and items like that. Yeah. that. I think the consumers are not thinking that 
that COVID-19 is going to cause the need for that, but they're more concerned about the supply chain coming. Uh, well, I think they would have to be more worried about the supply chain for food than toilet paper. So, uh, to be honest with you, and there are plenty of alternatives to toilet paper. I mean, we still have showers. Um, so, I, I just, I just think that it's it's misplaced right now. I, I, I completely agree. I just know some of my neighbors have said, you know, what if it's this closes down for a month? What am I going to do? So they're going to use a shower. Point out. You're gonna, I wanted to put that point out. Well, there. thank you, thank you for the thank you for calling in, and thank you for listening. Okay, let's get to uh, Ann from Berlin. Uh, you had a uh, you wanted a recommendation, or you wanted to give a recommendation? No, I'd like a recommendation. Sure. Um, so the question is about joint replacement surgery. Correct. What's the actual question? Um, if it's advisable. So that's an interesting question, because one of the problems with joint replacement surgery is infection. And these, uh, the OR is a sterile place. So any reputable place that's doing joint replacement surgery, you're in a sterile environment. The question comes up that after any surgery, are you more vulnerable to illness or exposure to this? For example... If after the surgery you have to go to a skilled rehab center or skilled nursing facility, um, that could be a problem. So you really need to consult with your surgeon as to what the plan is. It depends on what joint is being replaced, by the way, Ann. Uh, this is going to be the knee. Okay. So I think you really need to talk to your surgeon because obviously it's an elective operation, Right. It's it's not urgent or emergent, okay, as much as you may be in discomfort. So you need to have that conversation with the surgeon, especially about the post-op period. I would not worry about the surgery itself. I'm worried about the weeks after the surgery. So talk to talk with your surgeon about that and have a plan in, in place. Thanks. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. We have so many questions. Let's get this one. This is Corona on surfaces such as mail. Carm, you're on the line. Yes, I am. So, um, interesting and question. I am a retired registered nurse. So, Carm, this is a great question. Um, so, as far as we know about coronaviruses, um, they don't last very long on a surface. So, there are some people who have said minutes. There are some people who have said hours. But what we do know is your mail's pretty much sitting in the mailbox for quite a while. And so it would have to have been infected within probably an hour or two before you open the letter. But, you know, if you have a question, put on a pair of gloves, okay, when you open the mail. I I think that's what I would do. Okay? Just put on a pair of gloves, open it up, throw it away. You know the letter inside is going to be fine. Sounds good. All right. Thank you for the call. Oh, you're welcome. Right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, Maria from Rocky Hill, you had a question. Hi, yeah. I'm actually the CEO for a funeral home, or self funeral home in Rocky Hill, which oh. Rocky Hill apparently obviously just got their first case. Okay. I'm not a bet death, hopefully. Hopefully she does great. But um, my staff and myself, um, obviously we were up on it, and we sat down as a giant team because we, still, we, we have to – funeral home and the cemetery um and um so we we're closing well except for whatever we have to do so we've got limited access to our buildings i've put signs up people have to sign in um 
having the buildings cleaned, rugs, everything, top to bottom. Um, great. So I've got my staff paying for them for their week. But now I'm going to be in a position where we do have families, and they're in grief. And they're, as much as I can eliminate some overlap of how many people may come in at a certain time, there's going to be people who potentially are going to have more than 10 people who'd like to be there at the same time because they're grieving. And I want to be really respectful of these families, but we've really never had this before. So I don't, I'm not quite sure what to do. I've obviously been in contact with the um, state licensing department for funerals and they're, they're in the same quandary. They're kind of new territory. So I guess it's, Interesting from that. Obviously, this is this is new territory, and I would think your professional association um, might have some recommendations um, uh, from other funeral home owners. I guess one of my thoughts is to stagger what room they're in and explain that to people. Okay, because I, I understand the grieving process for someone who's deceased, but by the same token. We sure don't want to put people at risk who are alive, especially the elderly. So you may want to stagger, in other words, have two rooms going at a time in terms of having the body on, you know, displayed in one room and have people congregate in another room of groups of no more than 10. Um, I got to tell you, Maria, this is a tough one. And people, this is what I'm saying. People are going to have to start thinking of how things are done differently to protect each other. Um, and I'm hopeful people would recognize that who are grieving. Um, I, I'm hoping. We, we have one family that this week they are actually cremating their loved one so they can they have the ability to, to wait, which certainly helps when we are all in the midst of this. Um, but there's many people that that's not their, you know, their, their choice. Um, I, we've had some churches who have told us, Again, yeah. you know, if we're limiting who can come, who's coming to this service. Yeah. And, I mean, that's, it's heartbreaking. I mean, I've watched families. I've been doing this for seven years. I'm not an accountant by trade, but I stepped into this. And, yeah. and it's just, it's, it, I, I'm just as devastated for them, and I feel this. It's not their way, choice to have this happen at this time, but, you know, it's never a good time, and you're trying to make yes. the best situation out of the worst day of I appreciate some of these guidelines I know thank you. they've been talking back and forth with other funeral homes and they've equated it to somehow some stuff with 9-11 and how you know bodies and stuff were handled yeah. and was happening um, but amongst us nobody's I mean literally nobody's ever seen anything like this or most people no. in our lifetime so um, I guess we're all I, I, for everybody out there that's experiencing this whoever you use um, I know that we are all kind of in this together trying to figure out the best avenue to help you all agree well, properly and have some closure while we're in the midst of this. Thank you, Maria. I want to well, grab one more. So I'm going to try and grab one more question. Thank okay, you. Bye. Yeah, Jim. Yes, um, thanks for taking my call, Dr. Leslie. Um, I work for a service company that interacts with the public each day, and if one of my employees that's out in the public comes down with the coronavirus, what steps does this, the company need to take? Does everybody in the company have to self-quarantine? What's the... Yeah, uh, that's a great question. And um, unfortunately, the guy with the answer is on the other line. Um, and can, Mike, can we pull this off? Can I do it? Let me just try it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep you on, and I'm going to try and pick this call up on the other line. Um, uh, did I lose that call? I may have... All right. 
right. Hey, Mike. Mike. Did I, I didn't get that call. Okay. Hello? Yeah. Hey, Mike. Yep. Hey, I'm Mike. Here. Listen, thanks for calling in. Uh, I just got a question on the other line. Someone who works in the service industry, uh, if and so the employees have contact with people. If one of the employees comes down with the coronavirus and is positive, do okay. all the employees have to be quarantined? Well, again, there is no uh, definite uh, recommendation. It seems like moving, but this is what it is. If somebody is close contact, that is a lot, uh, co-workers, uh, they will probably have to self-quarantine uh, and um, or get tested. At the moment, the testing is not available uh, as fast as we would like to, but next week, it's understandably, Quest will be able to have. So number one is if anybody, any contacts are going to develop symptoms or not. But at the moment, if you have seen like the um, the Brazilian, uh, uh, you know, uh, press secretary who came, who met a few people, and then the Miami yep. uh, mayor tests positive. He's not symptomatic, but he's positive. So the question is, when somebody is definitely uh, diagnosed with uh, uh, COVID-19, their co-workers uh, probably will need to be uh, at least, you know, if they are going to be in contact with many people, yes, they probably will need to self-quarantine the uh, close group uh, and get tested if necessary. Um, I think moving forward on the test with the new test that is approved, FDA approved, I think we may be able to get more testing done, and that would certainly help. And I hear that uh, come Monday, uh, several places, there is going to be the drive-through testing yep. available. Mike, thank you. And uh, thank you for calling in. That was Dr. Michael Rajkumar from Hartford HealthCare, who just coincidentally called me in. Um, and, and he's going to be my guest hopefully next week. With that, we're going to sign off because we have to get off the air. My last message to everyone is be kind to your neighbor. Just be kind and let's show how strong we are in our community to fight off this terrible illness. With that, I thank you for listening. Stay healthy, and we'll be back next week on Healthy Rounds. This has been Healthy Rounds with Dr. Anthony Alessi, sponsored by St. Francis Hospital, Ratchford Eye Center, Hartford Healthcare, MD Advantage, and UConn Health Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Be sure to tune in next seven for more Healthy Rounds on WTIC News Talk 1080 and WTIC.com.